When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, uh, today I'm talking to my friend Lori Ann Murabito. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about speaking, but it's more than just about that because a lot of times, you know, whether you realize it or not, most people would rather die than have to public speak. Now, I realize you're probably not a professional speaker. But again, whether you realize it or not, you're probably giving presentations all the time, you know, and so because of that, whatever you do, listen to this entire episode, because she knows what she's talking about. And it's going to help you to be more confident. The next time you have to give a speech, whether it's even just a five minute, uh, you know, presentation in your next staff meeting. So with that, let's roll that episode and get into the details. Hi, I'm Jason Mefford, and you're in the right place to start transforming your career and life with this podcast. I've been in the trenches as an executive leader, and now I'm an executive coach and confidential advisor to executives all over the world. I use a multidisciplinary approach to improve learning that drives transformation by getting to the root cause in a practical, no-nonsense way. I love learning and sharing what makes people tick. You get both education and entertainment, since learning shouldn't be boring, right? But that's enough about me. This podcast is a combination of intuitive leadership, neural influence, and mental mastery to take your career and life to levels you've never thought possible. If you're wanting to improve yourself, develop stronger relationships professionally and personally, make quicker, better decisions, and become a more effective leader, then of course, this podcast is for you because you are going to learn how to manage emotions in yourself and others, avoid burnout, stress, and anxiety, master your mind, get people to listen and take action, and become a lifelong learner. And when you do that, you will have a positive mental attitude, executive leadership presence, and the skills to know exactly what to say and do in any situation. I'm glad you're here. So, let's get started. Hey, Lorianne, how are you? I'm good. I always like your smile. You've got a great <laughs> smile that can always I, makes me happy. Can I tell you a story about my smile? Oh, you can. Yeah. I can. I even tell this to my audiences when I'm speaking. Um, when I was nine years old, I won a smiling contest. Really? I won first, I won first place. Yes. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Yeah, That's pretty they're, cool. They're, like here in New Hampshire, there used to be this um, this... I want to say like a kid's TV show and my 
my, I was in Girl Scouts and my Girl Scout troop went and we were the audience on, on the show. And he always did um, a smiling contest and I won. And here's the funny part. The prize was candy. <laughs> yeah, your dentist loved that, didn't they? <laughs> I think it was sponsored by a dentist. Either that or they didn't want me winning two years in a row. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now I tell this, I'm telling you the story. But I tell this story to audiences and I had somebody, because I actually was speaking once in New Hampshire and I had some woman like raise her hand and say, um, I was on that show too. <laughs> it's a small world in New Hampshire. It really it? is a small world. Oh man. Well, yeah, you know, and I'm excited to talk to you because we, we both have some similar backgrounds, right? We both, uh, you know, I mean, all of you share your story more obviously, but we were chatting before, we're both huge introverts. And yet we both have found ourselves on the stage talking in front of thousands of people, yes. right? Which is something that I, I, I've always found it fascinating that whenever they do the studies, people would literally die. People are more afraid to, to speak publicly than they are of death. I want to know, and I've looked, where is that study? I don't I know. I've, I've, is, that, is that an urban myth thing? that I have, a I have a hypothesis on this. I bet you it's people walking into like a football. This is probably where they, they got their thousands of people that they interviewed. <laughs> it's people walking into a football game uh -huh. and they just walked up to people and said, hey, could you, if, if we gave you a microphone, could you speak for 10 minutes? You know, even me as a, as a professional speaker, I would say, no, no. because the <laughs> audience wants a football game and like, it doesn't matter what I say. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to do some research on that because actually it's, uh, I have looked myself and haven't been able to find I it. I haven't found anything. Okay. Well, maybe it's not a thing, but, but again, whether that stat is correct or not, I'm guessing that your experience has been that though too, right? People are typically uncomfortable getting up in front of other people and having to say something. I think so. Yes. Um, but I think also hearing that stat gives us something to like, Oh, I'm normal because mm -hmm. I would rather die than actually give a presentation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of people that do that. And that, and that's why, you know, again, I'm sure people that are listening, some of them might be professional speakers, but most of them probably aren't. Right. And so they might think, well, I don't, I don't ever get up on stage and talk to people, but uh -huh. isn't this something that people are doing all the time and they're mm -hmm. usually like terrified of it? Speaking is so much more than stages. So what are, what are some of the other places where people end up speaking? Well, let's just take inside, you know, organizations, inside, you know, corporate, um, you know, companies. You know, you can be speaking to one person. You can be like giving, um, like one of those, doing those yearly employee feedbacks, you know, interviewing for a position running like some sort of a board meeting, volunteering at some sort of, you know, um, an association or a, a club that's within the, an organization. And, you know, like, hey, could somebody like, like tell us about like the last meeting or, you know, like what are some new ideas? And if you're afraid to like raise your hand and say like, hey, here's my idea, you know, yeah, like that's, that's, you know, that can be a reason why like nothing ever moves forward. And even your career, that's one thing that I have heard from a number of people is that they've gotten um, bypassed for positions, for promotions, 
because they refuse to speak in front of people. Yeah, because, you know, the further up you get, especially in like corporate America, the more it's expected, right? And I, and I know a lot of the executives that I work with, you know, they, they come from, they're very introverted, they're very technical in what they do. And then all of a sudden they get promoted to this executive position. It's like, hey, you've got to present in front of the board next month. And they're like, ah! Exactly. Right? <laughs> yes. Because um, I hear that from them all the time. They're like, man, I don't feel very confident. And, and I think this is one of the things that's kind of funny about confidence is people think they can fake their way, but everybody knows they're faking, right? Mm-hmm. It comes across. It comes across. And so the more, the more you try to fake it, the worse it actually is for you. Because everybody knows it, you know it, you feel bad about yourself as well. So how do people get out of that? I know this is something you help, you help people with is being more confident when they're actually doing it. So how do you do it? Well, one of the things is, um, one of the exercises that, that I'll give clients is like when you go to a meeting, make it a point to raise your hand and, and share something. You know, whether it's like, I really like this idea because, or here's another way to look at that. Here's been my experience, but even just like rate, just raising your hand while you're at a meeting, whether, you know, whether it's um, a board meeting, whether it's a networking event where they're, they're taking questions, you know, after the speaker is done presenting, but that's a way to start practicing just to get used to that. Nobody's going to say, Hey, that was, that was a dumb question because nobody ever says Hey, that's a dumb question. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think we, we have this idea, you know, of what other people are thinking that people are judging us. So I shouldn't say anything. So then we're quiet. So then we don't use our voice. So I like to start my clients and like, Hey, just slowly, like take a baby step. Um, the entrepreneurs that I work with, you know, like, let's do a Facebook live, but guess what? You can do a Facebook live and it's only available to you. You can set it to only you. So nobody else is ever going to see it unless you want them to see it. I didn't know there was that feature yeah. on Facebook. You know mm. how you can, and you can have things that'll show up like public or for your friends or for certain groups of people. Well, there's an only me Option. category. Yeah. Well, that's a great way because then people, you know, I know that was part of my professional speaking training was get you on camera so you can see what you do. You know, do you do the ums? I don't do ums. I do right. Right? Right? <laughs> Everybody that's listening to me will hear, hear that too, right? But there, I did it again. Oh my goodness. That's a common question that I get from people. Like, how do I get over my ums or whatever your filler word is? And I'm just like, stop worrying about it. Yeah, just don't worry about it. Just go anyway, right? Yeah. So, so you know, there there are a lot of these different opportunities where people can kind of raise their hand. You know, like you said, you know, you might be in a staff meeting or something like that, and everybody's like, "So, what do you think about that?" Or can somebody give us a recap from last meeting? Those are all opportunities for people to just be able to raise their hand and actually try it, right? Yeah. It's a great baby step to getting up there and being the person who's presenting. So here's, and here's, here's another trick. I will also tell clients to go watch Ted talks 
or any other YouTube video of another speaker and just kind of like watch them and pretend it's you. Pretend you're watching a video of yourself. And I've had clients say, you know, that were genuinely scared of speaking, but still hired me to teach them how to speak anyways. And even watching a video like made their stomach turn, but the more that they did it, they were just like, oh, okay, like I'm getting used to like, I'm starting to identify with this new identity of like, hey, I can be a speaker. Well, and I think that's, it's funny that you say that, right? Because I mean, the first time we do anything, it's okay. harder. Yeah. So, uh, of course, the first time you try to do this, it's going to feel a little awkward. Your heart's probably going to be racing. But so what you're saying is the more that you actually do it, the more you actually practice, the easier it the becomes. Better you get. The better you get. People, like, I get the question, what was your best speech, your best presentation? And my answer is always my next one because I'm like always learning from this, this current one, this past one. And like, what am I going to do differently? What am I going to do better next time? So that's my philosophy. Let me tell you about one of my first, you know, I left corporate. I'm going to start my own business, you know, reform painfully shy girl. I didn't like to speak, but um, me and a small group of women were putting together a different kind of networking opportunity because women just network differently. And we knew that. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know, we should have some sort of education plus the networking. So they all turned to me and said, great, you do the speaking. You had the idea you get to do it, right? Yeah, well, yeah exactly. <laughs> and so I just kind of like shook my head and just thought, why are you saying yes to this? I don't like, I don't like to speak in front of people. But self-integrity is very important to me and I do what I say I'm going to do. So there I was at this particular event that we had put together and it wasn't a very, it was, it wasn't a very long speech and it wasn't a very good speech, you know? And the reason why I say it is because I, there was no beginning. There was no introduction to this. It was just like, I started like in the middle, like just giving value. And then it came to a screeching halt. I literally said to the audience, okay, I'm done now. Bye-bye. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm done now. So if you have any questions, I'll be in the back of the room. I mean, that was literally, that was my talk. And I did have people come up to me and ask me questions. They would like, you know, do you work with clients privately? Do you work one-on-one? -on -one? Is there a way that I can get more information? I was just like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and that's your new business, right? That was how I, I literally grew my business was through speaking, but it really happened accidentally. I mean, I thought that at for that particular first time where I wasn't very good and I did attract some people, I thought it was a fluke, but then I did it again. But again, like I, you know, I just like, I did it again. I did it again. And Eventually, I ended up writing a couple of books, and I ended up speaking on leadership and corporate engagement. Well, it's, it's interesting how we always kind of come to, to these different places in our life that we probably never would have expected. And as you were talking there, it kind of reminded me too, right? There's, there's a lot of different ways that we speak or, or different uh, kind of opportunities for us to speak. And you yeah. brought up one too of, you know, sometimes people actually speak not necessarily as a professional speaker, but just to 
share their knowledge to attract people kind of as a way of marketing, right? So that's why you work too with, with business owners as well, who are probably using those speaking engagements as a way to just get knowledge and information out there about their products, right? Absolutely. You're either elevating your business, you know, brand, or you're elevating your personal brand for like, you know, for your career. Well, yeah, because ultimately every time we open our mouth, that's it's, right. It's personal branding, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now, do even you remember, right now, as people are listening to us, right? That's right. So <laughs> do you remember your first presentation? Well, I was, I, I grew up in, um, I was in Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. So as a result of that, you know, we had a lot of um, things that we had to do kind of from a public speaking standpoint, even when I was a smaller kid, you know, so between that and some of the things at church and other things like that, I was actually at a very young age, actually kind of teaching people and standing up in front of groups and speaking. So it's interesting. I, I don't remember the very first time because I was so young, but, you know, obviously I've had good speeches and I've had bad speeches too. Right? And some of those were, I, I, I always had a hard time with the conclusion. You know, I was kind of like, you was like, all right, I'm done. See you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sort of a thing. And here's but, what's funny. You just said, like, I've had good speeches. I've had bad speeches. But I bet you the ones that you think are, were bad, other people didn't think were bad. No, and, and that's, the, that's the interesting thing. Because as you were talking before, I was kind of remembering something that Brian Tracy told me at one point. I mean, this dude is like, he's talked to like five to 10 million people. I mean, he's, he's been everywhere, right? And he said, you know, Jason, there's always three speeches. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, there's the speech you prepare, there's the speech you give, and then there's the speech you wish you gave. He said, you can, you know, if you're successful, if the delta between those three is pretty small. Yeah. But it, but it's always about, and and I think that's interesting because you know you had kind of made a comment about, you know, my next speech is going to be my my best one, right? Because you're always trying to improve. But I think that's what you brought up there subtly too is like, like you said, even, even what I thought was a bad speech mm -hmm. probably was a very good speech to somebody. Cause I know in my life, even, you know, on podcasts or other stuff, it's like, sometimes I feel like I just babbled and people afterwards are like, oh my gosh, that was so helpful. And I'm sure you've had that same kind of situation, right? Yeah. I, I, I wrote my, I finished my second book because I was like, I owe it to my audience. And I think it was after, it was one of those, like you write your first book and it's always like, I mean, it's an undertaking to write a book. So That's my why I don't second, write books anymore. I do videos. <laughs> yes. So my second book was just like 75% done. And I was just like, I just didn't want to finish it. And I had spoken in Chicago um, for a large insurance company. And the feedback that I got afterwards, because everybody got a copy of my first book is I, I mean, somebody emailed me and said, your speech in your book changed my life. Hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have to finish my second book for my audience. So then you're, you're, you're not coming from a place of I'm doing it for me so that I can say like I've written another book. It was just like, this is to be of service to an audience. You just never know who you're going to touch. Well, and I think that's interesting that you say that, which again is, 
It's why everybody who's listening, you need to open your mouth because yeah. each of us, we could, you and I can say the same exact thing, right? You, mm-hmm. we, we, could, we could have a professional speech writer come up with the exact same speech. We stick to it word for word, right? We give, we give the same speech. My voice and the way I do it is going to resonate with certain people, but your voice is going to resonate with other people in a different way, right? That's right. Which I think is kind of amazing. So even for people that feel like, oh, I don't have anything to say, or why should anybody listen to me? There's somebody out there waiting for that person, right? To hear your story. And everybody's got a story. And the people who say like, I don't have a story. And I'm like, great, then you're relatable. You're (laughs) ultra relatable. Like, like, because there's so many, because if you don't think you have a story and you don't think that there's anything interesting about you, you know, guess what? There's a ton of people out there who just feel like my life's not interesting. And to take the, and to take the everyday things that you do and be able to like draw out the lessons for somebody else to use. Well, I think that's how Jerry Seinfeld made a few hundred million dollars on a TV show, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, exactly. Right? I mean, it's in, in, in what's funny is, um, yeah, they just sold it. I think, again, syndication around this time was around north of $500 million, probably. So he and Larry David did all right on that just everyday by moments. everyday moments, right? And, and I think what's, because as you said that, I mean, I, I've traveled a lot. I love like just talking to random strangers too. And what's funny is, as you were saying that, the people that feel like they don't have a story, those are some of the most fascinating people I have ever talked to in my life, mm-hmm. right? I mean, everybody has something to share. Everybody. Huh. everybody <laughs> because it's their I think of people's stories as like it's as unique as your fingerprint mm-hmm. it's the same thing like if you know if you and I go to the same movie you're going to see it differently then I'm going to see it differently you know I'm going to tell somebody about the movie and I'm going to I'm going to say completely you know something different and you're going to be like did we go to the same movie you know, because it's your perspective. Well, and it's even one of those things too, where you can see the same movie three or four times. And every time you see it, it's a little different too. Right. Right. So everybody's perspective at a different time helps you draw out or glean different, different things from it as well. Uh, So, okay. So everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Everybody has something to share. Everybody's got a voice, a story. Everybody's got a voice, story. So how do we, you know, again, I know you've already kind of talked about one of the ways is kind of raise your hand, right? Mm-hmm. So just just do it. Just try it even in, in smaller, safer settings. But what are some other things you do with people to try to help them improve their confidence? You know, because like I said, there's a lot of people who just try to fake it and they're like, hi, I'm Jason Mefford. And today I'd like to talk about, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know if I could do that again, but um, where, where you kind of feel that way, right? So what, what, what do you do to try to help people just feel more confident mm-hmm. w- when they're actually doing it? 
one of the things that will make you feel more confident is when you know what you're going to say. So let's just take you're at a networking event, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a careerist, you're going to these events, knowing your elevator pitch so that it just flows like when you speak and it sounds very conversational, that helps. So knowing, so actually practicing beforehand. Mm-hmm. You know, like I walk up to people and like, hey, like, what do you do? And I'm always interested in how people got to where, you know, like, what did you do beforehand that got you to this position? But when they turn it on me and ask me, like, so what do you do? I'm like, well, I, I help people use a form of speaking as their best form of marketing. What? Tell me more. Right? Exactly. So it's, it's very short. It's sweet. It's not this long drawn out thing so that, you know, people get the deer in the headlight look like, okay, when is she going to stop talking? It's just a sentence. One sentence. That's it. And the more that you remember, um, well, I shouldn't say remember, but the more that when you know what you're going to say, that gives you that confidence. So a lot of my clients, when they are speaking at like board meetings or giving presentations for their business or their career conferences, you know, they've, they know what their beginning is. I'm not saying to memorize the whole thing, but when you know what your beginning is, it helps you get over the butterflies. Mm-hmm. You know, you already know what you're going to say. So you don't have to be thinking about like, what do I say next? What do I say next? It's like, you've, you've already got like the first five, 10 minutes already prepared. Well, and I think that's, that's important because, you know, you talked <clears throat> about not memorizing it necessarily. Cause I've, I've seen so many people do this and, you know, where they'll, they'll have like a three paragraph or two paragraph thing and they feel like they have to memorize it. Mm-hmm. And so then when they, then they're just regurgitating it. Right. And, and that usually seems pretty scripted and halfway through, they'll be like, ah, oh, shoot line, line, little, oh, there's nobody there to give them their line. <laughs> right. Point, and it's, you're just screwed at that point. Right. And it uh, feels very stale. It feels stale. Yeah. Because yeah, and, we don't write the way that we talk. We don't. So there's, so there's, always, I know we don't. So there's always that debate, you know, whenever I hear people say, oh, I don't believe in memorizing a pre, that people should memorize a presentation. I'm like, well, you know, okay. But I tell my clients to memorize the beginning and memorize the ending. And then fill it in the middle, right? Yeah. You can yeah, know like, how you're like, going to start, know how you're going to end. Yes. And the middle part, you know, it's okay. Like you, they know what points they're going to cover you know, but they don't have to feel like they're sticking to a script. And so the whole reason why I tell people to memorize your beginning and memorize your end ending is so that your beginning helps you get over the butterflies and you start to just like get into the flow of the presentation. And then the reason why I tell people to memorize the ending is so that you're not leaving it to chance. You know exactly how long it takes to close your presentation and it make and so that you make sure that you have your call to action for the audience. That's a good that's a good way to think about it because I I know I haven't done that as well. I was usually always good about the intro, yeah. and and you know I know how to kind of fill in the time, mm-hmm. you know as well with you know because diff- different stories will pop in. I I would never make a great line actor because. I'd be the one yelling line all the time because I can't memorize it, right? But you get me in an ad lib, I can probably do that okay. But but yeah, I didn't do it 
or don't often do as good a job about the ending. So that's a great suggestion is, you know, like you said, you know, maybe it takes two minutes to do your ending. So, you know, I've got two minutes left. Okay. It's time to switch. And I just go back into that ending that already has the, the recap or the whatever else in the call to action in there that you're looking for. Yes. And so here's a great tip that most people are always surprised at. Never, ever, 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 ever do your Q&A at the end. Your oh. Q&A should be just before you close. And here's why. You always want the audience to remember that you knew the, that you could answer the last question. You're taking a chance if somebody asks you a question that even has nothing to do with your presentation. Could be some piece of gossip that they heard in the news and they're asking you for your opinion on it. And it's got no, and, and you say, I'm not even sure what you're talking about. That's what the audience will remember. And it's also having your Q&A before your close is also a great way for you to keep track of time. That way you can be, you can look at a clock know that, okay, I've got four minutes left. I've got time for one more question. Now you're controlling the audience knows, okay, he's bringing it to a close. You answer that one more question and then you deliver your close. Okay. And the, again, like you're the last thing, the last words that the audience is like, like he knew his stuff, like that was good. Like they leave hearing you on your terms. I love that idea. And actually, I'd, I don't know if I've ever been told that because a lot of times, you know, when I'm speaking at conferences or other things like that, usually they want the Q&A at the end. And so that's a lot of times why it falls flat at the end. You know, you've kind of done the, you know, big crescendo. Thank you. All right. Now we'll take questions. And so when the questions are over, there's no, you know, real conclusion or climax at right. the end of it where if you hold that until the end, then you actually do. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, Jason, like the next time that you're speaking at some sort of an event and they tell you like, all right, we've got you speaking for an hour slot, speak for 45 minutes, 15 minutes Q and A. You just tell them, I will do my Q and A from like on the, from 40 minutes to 55. Yep. And then I'm going to wrap the last. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Wow. Yeah, because I, well, and I, and I like that idea, right? Because memorize the beginning, memorize the end, mm -hmm. right? That's going to help you feel more confident, reduce the butterflies at the beginning, know how you're going to kind of finish on a high note at the end as well. Now, you know, this obviously works if you're up on the stage speaking for 45 minutes or an hour, but isn't it, it's the same formula, even if you're only giving like a 10 minute debrief or something. In Absolutely. Absolutely. Same thing. If you're only speaking for 10 minutes, you're probably going to, in my opinion, every word counts, you know, like seriously. Uh, so a 10 yeah. minute presentation, you really do have to, um, yeah, you, you might want to you might want to have that down. I, want, I don't want to say memorize the whole thing, but you might, depending on what you're speaking for. I actually had a client who um, only was, was giving a 10 minute presentation and we tweaked his clothes, which, you know, in a 10 minute presentation, you know, is probably like the last, you know, 90 seconds. And he closed a $15,000 client 
So never underestimate the power of words and the length of time that you're speaking in, because in 10 minutes, you know, he was able to, you know, really touch somebody who then mm -hmm. came up to him later and was just like, I want what you're offering. Well, I think that's a good point too, because the, the less time that you have, again, this is just one of the stories that I've heard is, you know, oh, you want me to speak for a half a day or a day? Okay, I can, I can do that, you know, tomorrow. And it's this much, right? Because you don't have to, there's a lot of filler in between there. But if somebody only wants something for 10 minutes, it takes a lot more work to prepare for something for 10 minutes than it does for half a day, right. which seems counterintuitive. But like you said, it's just got to be that much tighter in, in what you're trying to do because every, everything does count. Yeah. Is, is what you're saying there. Yeah, every word counts. So people who are, you know, clients of mine who are doing like TED Talks, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a memorized presentation. Yeah, and you're limited. You've got, depending on the format you're in, I think you have, you know, 18 minutes or- Or less. Or less, right? Because I think 18 is a long one. <laughs> yes. So some of them you have to be done in seven minutes or something, which yeah. is which is really, really tight to do. Yeah but you can impact somebody, you know, with a seven minute talk. Well, that's, that's the thing that I think is, you know, for everybody that's listening, that thinks they don't have anything to say, that they don't have any stories, right? Is only you can touch certain people. Right. Right. And that's, I think what we all forget is we're here to help people. Mm -hmm. and there's some people that only we can help. They might, they might hear the same thing from 10 other people, but when you do it, even if you're fumbling over your words, doing whatever, it just hits them, pricks their heart at that point, and you were who they needed to hear. Right. And it, I mean, it means we got to open our mouth, right? <laughs> it, it does. It does mean, it does mean that we have to share more of our story, you know, where we've been, where we hope to go, some changes that, that we want to make, um, in the world and, you know, like in our industry and just sharing, you know, like your story with like the people that are around you. And that's a great way. Like you're out to dinner with some friends and you tell a story you get to like look on their faces and see like, you know, if they're like, that's where you can get your feedback and realize, huh, like that was a good story. Or I don't think I'm going to use that story or <laughs> I need to, I need to change it a little bit, but it's, you know, like you can just like, basically like, you know, use your friends <laughs> as, as like a playground to like figure out like, is this a good story? Is this not a good story? How, you know, like, how can I start, start to tell better stories? And here's one tip on how to tell better stories is I tell people like, don't do the play by play. So I went to the grocery store. I got out of the car. I couldn't find a cart. So I actually had to go, you know, like with those little, those little corrals, I had I actually had to walk all the way back out there to go, to go get my cart. And then believe, you know, but that's a play by play. Don't do a play by play. Just like draw people in you know, I, I had to go to the grocery store. You know, we were expecting a snowstorm here in New England and you know how packed it is. We're all doing the snowstorm grocery dance. 
you know what I'm talking about when the lines are really long and everybody's got to get that last gallon of milk and a loaf of bread. You're drawing people in just, but not with every detail. They will fill in all the details. Yeah. We tell stories, whether, um, whether it's to our children or to an audience, because the listener gets to see themselves in the story. So here's a, here's a, a funny thing that I used to tell when I was speaking on leadership and corporate engagement, you know, Jason, your, your, your child, like when they were little, they didn't say, daddy, would you tell me a bedtime statistic? <laughs> <laughs> no kid ever said that to their parents, right? right. Please, daddy, bore me with boring statistics, right? right. Well, because yeah, like, tell me a bedtime story. Like we are so hardwired for stories. Well, and it's funny because I, I, um, one of the audiobooks that I'm listening to right now is Dave Grohl's book. So mm-hmm. Dave Grohl from Nirvana and Foo Fighters. And I, th- and I think it's, it's titled something like Storyteller or something mm-hmm. like that. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of interesting because it's, um, you know, we all want stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we, that's why we read books. That's why we watch TV shows or movies, right? They're, they're telling us a story and it's usually through the story that we actually learn, but we're entertained while we're listening to the story. And when you tell a story well, like you said, you allow them to fill in the details, make it relevant to themselves, and it allows them to hear what they need to hear at that time. Right. And so, yeah, even doing something around the dinner table, or when you're out with friends, something like that, you can actually just start practicing and playing with it mm-hmm. in kind of a low risk environment. Like, oh, that one flopped, right? Um, which actually comedians do this all the time, right? If you get, if they you do. go to, especially here in the LA area, if you go to a lot of the different comedy places, there'll be like big name people that show up just to test out some jokes on a smaller audience that they haven't tried before. And I mean, I, Howie Mandel was last one that I saw and he had a, he had a card <laughs> like, <laughs> of the different things he was trying and you could see he was marking, nope, that one didn't work. All right, let's try this one <laughs> in, in that smaller group so that he can then be comfortable sharing it probably literally to millions of people if he's doing some comedy special or something like that. Right. But he's practicing in a safe environment before he gets on the quote unquote stage. And we can all do that as well. Practice in a safe environment before you get in front of where it really matters. Yeah. And another, um, we were talking about like tips to feel comfortable speaking. And another one is when you get to the board meeting, to the event that you're speaking at, is just to walk around and introduce yourself. Mm -hmm. Now Now it's not a room of strangers, but you've already met all these people. And they'll remember that like, oh, you're the speaker. I came to hear you talk. Or just, you know, like, hey, Jason, it's really nice to see you again. Yeah, because that was one of the tricks. One of the things I got taught is what you do to one person, you do to the whole audience too, mm-hmm. right? And so that was one of the things I was taught is, you know, get there early, go to the people that are sitting on the back row. Why yes. are they sitting on the back row? Because they're probably going to be your hecklers and the hardest one to get, right? So 
you go up and you introduce yourself. Hi, I'm going to be speaking later. Hi, Lori. How are you? Lori Ann, I'm nice to meet you, you know, whatever else. And then some people later on will say, hey, shout out to my friend Lori Ann in the back. Yep. And when you do that, everyone feels like you're doing a shout out to them yeah. as well. I think um, one of the things I remember one of the uh, a fellow speaker saying, I think the phrase was like acknowledge like the cheap seats because mm-hmm. when you think about like in theater the people that are the farthest or the highest up like those are the cheaper seats than the front row and it's always been like to look at those people and then bring your eye contact to the people that are in the front but always and I've and that always stuck with me and I've always done that when I've spoken to big on it's like I just look at the people that are they're in the back you know, and they're not all hecklers because I would be one of those, like, you know, like, you, you and I are those introverts and we're just like, all right, I'll just sit here. Cause I don't, I don't want to look around for, for another seat. Please. So I'll I, just grab I've this already, seat. yeah, I've already had all my energy gone from this huge conference. I can't afford to speak to another person or I'm just going right. to collapse on the floor. Right. Right. Um, hey, do you find as, as, um, as a speaker that, um, when you're sitting in an audience with another speaker that you are giving them energy? Mm-hmm. Like, do you almost like feel like it's, it's part of our responsibility as a fellow speaker to help the person that's in the front of the room as, or even on Zoom? Yeah, it is. And, and I think it's funny because it's, you know, in, in conferences and stuff, I'll look around and there's, there's two, another thing that you notice is a difference in how people take notes. Mm-hmm is a lot of times the people who are speakers are taking notes at different times than everybody else is because they're also there kind of watching the craft and the form and what's going on oh i like how they did that callback that was really good i need to try something like that but like you said i think it's and this is true for really anybody who's talking anywhere right is that what if all of us had a little bit more compassion and were were kind of energetically rooting for the person who's up there because mm-hmm. we know it's hard right that's probably why as speakers we're there kind of rooting energetically for people because we know how hard it can be yeah. but we can even do that with friends and family and other people you know somebody who has the courage to to share a story or do something and actually give them some love too because yeah. it's hard even in that situation it is. you know i i was um yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I went to one of my clients had an employee offsite meeting. So they wanted me to come and meet meet everybody and do some of the stuff during during the time. And and they made they made they asked everybody in the company to get up and do like a five or ten minute little here's my hero and why kind of speech. Yeah. And I mean, this was it was a room full of the kind of people that I just love, right? The quirky, different kind of people that are like super wicked smart, but they were so uncomfortable sharing it. But I was sitting there rooting for them the whole time. And even as uncomfortable as it might've been for some of them, it allowed me to see them as a person. I think, I think that's one of the, the benefits of, you know, being able to speak and share with people is you're allowing people to see who you are. Yeah. 
share your story, your perspective, I think that helps us connect better as, as humans as well. Yes. Yes. To, yeah. Yes. To all of that. It's, you know, I think also knowing that your audience really wants you to succeed, whether it's the situation that you were talking about and like, everyone's like consents, like, you know, like they're, I got to get up and speak in front of all of my fellow employees about a hero of mine. You know, it was a great, that was a great icebreaker. Um, if that's what it, what it was used for, but I mean, just, just like you get a peek into that person, but also remember that your audience wants you to succeed. Yeah, I think that's going back to the confidence thing, right? If people realize <clears throat> that everybody else really is rooting for you, yeah, would we would we find it as hard? Probably not. No, just and then, and go in there and just be yourself. It's so hard to be somebody else while you're trying to speak. <laughs> it's exhausting enough to speak. Yeah, yeah. If mm -hmm. you're trying to be somebody else on top of it, it's even harder. Mm. Yeah. Oh, this is good stuff. Good stuff. There's, there's like so much to talk about when it comes to speaking. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I know, and and like I mean, like we've said, it's it's one of those things that people just have a, a hang up with right mm -hmm. that they they feel like they don't have anything to share they're not really confident in wanting to do it but it's like just open your mouth and do it a few times it'll mm -hmm. get easier as you do it but of course if we you know you and i were kind of thrust into this world i yes. mean i i would not have chosen as an introvert like i am either to necessarily hop up on a stage like that but you know when you're given that opportunity and like you said, anybody, everybody in the world, as they share their story, can impact other people. Yeah. And that's the beauty of this life, I think, is helping and serving and impacting other people uh, that only we can touch certain people in certain ways. Yeah. So for all of your listeners, whenever there's an opportunity, you know, like to speak up or to volunteer, you know, like, even like, like, hey, would somebody, you know, like, what do you think um, about this particular idea? I mean, count to three. One, two, three. If nobody else says anything, raise your hand. It just like over. make that like, all right, this is just what I do from now on. One, two, three, raise my hand. Yeah, that's something I've tried to do too because it, it amazes me how many times there will be like this awkward pause. I mean, you've got somebody who is like, I don't know, world-renowned expert in something. I'll take a few questions now. And everybody just like puts their head down like, yes. oh, please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. And I'm like, fuck yes. it. <laughs> I want to know, right? And um, as a speaker, like I feel bad for the speaker like when that happens. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to come up with a question. Because because I want to help them. Yeah. And, and also nobody wants to be the first question. But there'll be the second question. You know, it almost gives people permission to ask questions. So if I can um, sometimes be that three, two, one, okay, I'll ask a question. Whether it's a question or even just a comment. Um, another great way to get over your shyness is like after a presentation, go up to the speaker and tell them what a wonderful job. Like, wow, that was really impactful. Here's the particular part that I really like. And just stay up there. 
because more people are going to come up and they'll be shaking your hand because you know, like, Hey, did you like that? Oh, I really enjoy You'll end up talking and meeting more people that way. Well, and it's an easy way again, that's not really threatening, yep. you know, to be able to do it. And even, you know, like you said, it's, it's just asking the question, just showing up. I mean, Woody Allen, 80% of life is just showing up. Right. right. So just three, two, one, ask a question, provide a comment. If nobody else is willing to speak, then, you know, do it. Cause, cause like you said, so much of the time, I mean, people you're working with, it's about their personal brand and there's, there are people, I know people who have been held back in their career because they weren't willing to do it. Right. And it's not that hard if you just do it a few times. I know the first couple of times may be difficult, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing, right? That's right. At least that's, a, that's is, the way it's been for me, right? Yeah. And, you know, like I shared with you one of my first ones that, you know, <laughs> all right, I'm done. Funny. <laughs> it's a screeching, okay, I'm done now. It's almost, it was almost like looking back on it, like, I can't imagine being in the audience and being and like hearing, okay, I'm done now. <laughs> like that's almost princess like. <laughs> well, did you strut off the stage that way too? Like eh, 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 eh. I, I did go to the back of the room because I like I didn't like, you know, like I was okay addressing an audience and just like, okay, like I'll be over here now if you want to talk, if you want to continue the conversation. To me, it was easier if, if people came up to me to talk than for me to like approach people. So that's why for me, like, oh, okay, I can just be the speaker in the front of the room, mm -hmm. say some stuff. And then if somebody wants to continue this conversation, they'll just, they'll find me. To me, like that was just, that was my solution to being shy. Well, it seems like it's worked because you'd, if people didn't know you were shy, they wouldn't know you were shy. That's right. Right. <laughs> people are surprised to hear that I used to, be the sort of person who was just looking at the floor and couldn't make eye contact with people. Yeah, which kind of goes back, you know, it's it's almost, uh, I've got a lot of friends who are actors and other things too, right? And, and sometimes you just got to put on a different personality. Right. Right. And so, and some people might think, well, that's not really who I am or, you know, I'm, where, where I guess where I'm going with it is, but you can have fun with it. Right. kind of pretending to be a different person right you know the shy little boy jason isn't the person who needs isn't that's not the ego that needs to show up on the stage right mm -hmm. it's the it's the crazy i don't know clowny whatever you want to kind of do right the over dramatic kind of person right. and and it's kind of fun to play some of those roles it is right and just just try it out, just test it, see what works, see what doesn't work. I mean, kind of like you were saying before with the, hey, at the next family dinner or, you know, how much more fun would Thanksgiving and Christmas be if you had more people actually telling good stories around the table That's right. instead of complaining <laughs> about politics, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, way more fun. <clears throat> way more fun. Well, and you can be the, the crazy uncle that tells good stories or crazy aunt that tells good stories too yeah yeah well this is good stuff i mean what um, any any final things that maybe we didn't we didn't get to today to just kind of wrap up and, and conclude something to share with with people before we go then as well try it try speaking up sharing your story 
And I would also say, don't be afraid of pausing. That's usually a big one is that people are like, um, you know, like when there's the pause, but pausing is where the audience or whoever you're talking to actually can think. Answer well, a question. Where, yeah, it's where they can think. Pausing is powerful. It is. Everybody was like, oh, did, did something just cut out there? But yeah, because a, a pause can actually be just as powerful as the words. That's right. As well that you're saying. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. So just try speaking up more. Hey, you know what? We might not get it right the first time, but that's all right. Have fun with it. The more you can practice in some of these safer environments, the easier it's going to make it when you have to be in front of the board or talk at your next department meeting or whatever <clears throat> else. But mm -hmm. I think I'm hearing from you too. It gets easier. However hard you think the first couple of times are going to be, it gets easier. It gets easier and easier. And one of the things I love to ask clients when they're about to give their first presentation is what if it was fun? Ooh. And they're usually like, ah, yeah. What if it was fun? What if the first time was fun? Well, you what get to write your own story. So why not That's make right. it fun, right? Make it fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, if, if people want to reach out to you, because I know, you know, what you do actually helps a lot of people. How's the best way for people to reach you? My website is speakandstandout.com. And also you can join me on my podcast, which is Be In Demand with Laurieanne. Ooh, I like the I alliteration talk, of that. Yes. Thank you. Where we talk all things about speaking and you know, whether it's for your career or for your business. Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on. I always kind of geek out on these things and I actually learned quite a few things myself too. So wonderful. It's, uh, I had fun too. <laughs> what if everything could be fun? Like what if this podcast. <laughs> Let's just make it fun. <laughs> Let's just make it fun, right? Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you, my friend. I, I really appreciate it. Because like I said, I know there's a lot of people that, that struggle with this and it scares them. So that's what I'm here for. Yeah. And if you're one of those people, go back, listen to this again, because um, something that Laurieann said today is exactly what you need to hear. Yes. So with that, we'll catch you on the next episode. Go out and have a great rest of your day and a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you enjoyed the most about the podcast and you may even be featured on a future episode. When you're ready to turbocharge your leadership development, join the Briefing Leadership Program where you get access to everything in one place and can interact directly with me in the group. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to C-Risk Academy's video on-demand learning platform at ondemand.criskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you will also have access to hundreds of video on-demand learning opportunities. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.